Hello and welcome to the debug log number 48. Uh, today we have another interview. We told you we'd start getting more of these and we weren't lying. Uh, we had a chance to sit down with KT Play CEO and founder Spencer Liu. Uh, and KT Play is a company that's based in China and they've been doing, uh, had a lot of big successes in China with the SDK that you can integrate into your game and it basically creates an in-game community with message boards and clip sharing and contests and polls and all this stuff. Really cool things. We've talked about how important those separate things are, but they are attempting to solve that problem for developers. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, and Spencer is a great guy. He's had a background in, at CNET and Wall Street Journal and all these other things. So very cool to talk to him about that. And next week, we'll be back with an episode, I believe, on streaming assets. So Ryan's going to break that down for us. So it should be good. In the meantime, be sure to give us a review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. It helps us out. It helps us get the word out to other developers who are looking for help. Also, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the debug log. That's also another way to support us and help us if you like what you hear. Also, check out the Debug Lounge on YouTube. It's our YouTube interview series with game developers of all sorts. We started doing that over the summer, and as we get more and more interviews, we'll keep putting them out, so I hope you guys are enjoying that. Alright, I think that's enough housekeeping. Uh, without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 48. Welcome back. Today we're sitting here with Spencer Liu of KT Play. We're going to talk about uh, in-game communities, and they have a pretty cool solution at KT Play, and we're going to talk all about that. So welcome to the show, Spencer. Hey, thank you very much, Andrew and Eduardo. Great to meet you guys and your uh, audience. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, the, to have you here. This is our longest distance interview, I think. We're literally on the other end of the, <laughs> the globe Yeah, from but it sounds like we're, we're just writing the same space. <laughs> yeah, 12 hours <laughs> different. That's great. Um, uh, before we get to go dive into in-game communities and stuff, uh, can you just give us a little background on yourself, your professional background, and also how that kind of led into starting the company? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, um, I've had so many different career transitions. To be honest with you guys, I went to an art school, and I started as a graphic designer in Hollywood. This was oh, decades nice. ago, right? And uh, moved I started up as a campus, graphic designer, so, too, so you're in good company. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so I moved up to San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, uh, back in 1995, and uh, worked for a company called CNET. I don't know if you guys remember CNET Networks, yeah. news.com, download.com. So I joined CNET as an art director to begin with, then I slowly moved into brand management, also product management. Um, and uh, became CNET's uh, creative director, basically in charge of usability design, user research, and also uh, basically I was I was leading a UI UX department of 25 people. So that was my sort of last and big corporate gig. And uh, after CNET, I became a serial entrepreneur. I uh, started a uh, uh, network of car shop automobile shopping company called High Gear Media. Uh, then also started my own UI UX consulting company called Go Sunday and consulted with different startups uh, throughout Europe, mostly in France and Ger Germany, and did a little bit of real estate development as well. And uh, in late 2011, uh, I uh, moved to uh, China, to Beijing, to start a uh, mobile games publishing company uh, here in Beijing uh, with the primary focus being uh, bringing in really great Western content into the Chinese market. And uh, KT Play is kind of a sort of an internal R&D 
uh, project that spun out of that company. And we officially spun off in May um, in May 2014 and has been uh, independently operated ever ever since. Very cool. Did you have a uh, nice. background in gaming, I guess, as a kid? And what was it? What's that growing oh, up? Yeah, actually, no. Right. So so out of my out of my whole team here, I'm probably uh, the most casual game player. Right. Um, I like Welcome to the club. <laughs> that's a that's a Duardo in our group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not a I'm not a hardcore player. Right. I've never really played anything like hardcore or PC games. Right. Uh, I am a mobile player. You know, I download games. I try I try them out just to be in, entertained. So right. that's kind of uh, who I am. Yeah. But what motivated you to create this uh, mobile game development? company because yeah like you said you don't play that many games so what what made you transition from that classic entrepreneurial um career to more into the game so if you go back to my background right so um you know i specialize in uh, product strategy user usability uh user experience design right so if you look at that context you know it has a lot to do with human psychology you know how users on the website or in the mobile devices they want to interact with the app itself or interact with other users uh, on the same platform so i come um, with that kind of background so in the context context of gaming i got into mobile games publishing purely because china was exciting for me and i totally didn't know anything about it and uh you know i've been living in silicon valley for a long time and coming to china was just this crazy dream right and my wife was very supportive and she's like hey look if you are passionate about it if you want to go and give it a try let me quit my job and let's go so so we <laughs> we came and just dove right into this business and we built up this um, mobile games publishing company and we started publishing multiple titles um, and uh, as we started to publish multiple titles we started to notice a lot of business issues that we needed to solve so for example china i don't know if you guys are aware um, you know there's like 405 to, uh, 500 400 to 500 different android app stores here in this mar market wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this was back then. Now it's probably around 200-ish, right? Uh, Google Play doesn't exist. Amazon basically has no pre presence here. So you have all these local players. So we need to do a lot of business development, relation build, uh, with relationship building. And, and we have a full team just uh, launching different versions of the same game onto these different channels. And we will put a lot of marketing effort, business development effort, and marketing budget toward launching a game, right? Driving it to top charts and start to get organic downloads and so on and so forth. And as that particular title starts to decline, you know, we launch a second title. So it's like a cycle, it's a cycle that, that repeats itself again and again. So we were just kind of scratching our heads and saying, hey, look, you know, China is a big market. We are already successful with game A, right? So inside game A, we have, for example, a couple millions of you users. And now this, this game A is kind of dying and we are going to launch game B. We're going to do this whole marketing business development thing all over again, right? It's very time, you know, it's very resource intensive. But we already got these millions of people in game A. So the first business problem is, hey, how can we just migrate people from game A to game B, right? So we thought about cross-promotion, we thought about doing in-game push, and so on and so forth. But then, so that's one business problem that we wanted to solve from a mobile games publishing perspective. And uh, back then, we were focusing on casual single-player games, right? And, uh, you know, in any given level, users have pro problems advancing, you know, further into the game. Where do you ask questions? 
right? Where do you find like-minded users where you can go and talk about this you are very enthusiastic about? So we saw problems that we wanted to solve for players, and we also saw business problems that we wanted to solve for our publishing business. So I was just dreaming like, hey, look, can we create a platform uh, so that it's an in-game social or in-game community kind of a concept where people can mingle with each other, can, can, can talk uh, specifically about this specific game, right? And also from a developer's point of view, hey, can a publisher or developer physically walk into this space and start influencing uh, this particular community and start migrating people or start getting them to play advanced levels and buy more IAP items? so on and so forth. So that's kind of how it all started. Probably in late 2012, we started putting uh, rough prototypes together. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> commend you, that's actually the best way to start an idea is when you're actually scratching your own itch and solving one of your own problems. You know, <laughs> and not just like, exactly. the kids exactly. are going to love this and it doesn't actually matter. That's actually really neat. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I I I saw um, Katie play in action. I just downloaded um, this game, Rodeo Stampede, um, yes. and I think it's seriously awesome. It's a, <laughs> a really so yeah, it's a, a a really original idea. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a social media inside your game, but right. the question that I have is, how do you migrate people from one game to the next one? Oh yeah. So so there are there are there are a couple ways to do it, right? I mean, we have we have um, uh, games developers here in China uh, uh, where they have a very hardcore fan base that have already noticed this in-game community KT Play inside each one of these uh, games that belong to the same developer. So so uh, so in so for example, in game A, right? You will see players from game B that's talking about game B, right? In game A, so. For developers, you know, this is a mm-hmm. platform for for developers to direct different types of conversations in the areas that they want to, right? So they could literally go into the community and you know put up a discussion thread, put it, you know, curate it on the homepage. So it's like a big banner on the homepage and say, "Hey guys, we just launched a new game. Why don't you go try try it out, right? If you are if you want to be a beta tester, let me give you a code. Come onto my platform. Come, you know, and also." you are able to hyperlink right inside the di- discussion forum, link them out to where they can download the, the new uh, build. So that's one more of a uh, sort of organic and engaging way, right? So instead of just doing a big push, right, a big banner or a big interstitial message saying, hey, try out this game, you're doing it in a softer way through relationship building with your customers. So that's one way to do it. Of course, KT Play also comes uh, with a bunch of very light and easy to use live op tools like in-game messaging, inboxes. So those are all very much more of a direct way to impact, right? Basically saying, hey, we just launched a new title. Click on this button, go to the App Store and download and try it, right? And uh, and uh, we don't want to just drive people to download the game. We also have built a bunch of different uh, mechanics inside the forum so people can vote on their best feature, uh, their most favorite features or characters in the game. They can give direct feedback um, and developers on the back end can categorize uh, all the content and make sure all the game feedback specific uh, discussion threads all belong to one category that's easy access. So it's not just about driving more downloads for your game. It's about building that relationship right on an ongoing basis with your with your players right inside the game. And through that relationship, let's start influencing them 
to migrate from one game to another or play or to play multiple titles under the same uh, publisher or or try different different areas of the game that you notice in in the in the analytics that people don't play frequently so it's a, right. <laughs> it's a, yeah an extraordinary solution that you found oh, for for engaging you. players and thank I you. think yeah. I think developers can really benefit from this because like you said just the fact that you have to uh, create all the marketing for a new game and start building the community for the next game if you already have the community and you can just migrate it right. and without interrupting them from the game that they they already love it's yes. it's just awesome great yeah user migration is just one of the many aspects right the other thing is if you talk to serious developers these days i mean who isn't you know who who isn't actively managing their community Right, I mean, they've spent so much money and resources developing a game for months at a time. Finally, they've launched. They have all these users they know are active inside the game, right? So they all want to engage with their fan base, right? I mean, I mean, you know, especially for those IP-driven games, right? Uh, these fans come for the I IP. So who are these people? If you look at data analytics, right, they are numbers, right? They are charts going up and down, but they are actually real people with real voices and real opinions, right? So how do you Uh, build a community around this game that you've invested so much effort into, right? So when you ask a developer a question like that, they're like, well, I'm doing on Facebook, right? Or I have a official web forum that I use some open source code, you know, and put, put it on my website. That's where I manage my, my users. But my argument is always, hey, where are your most loyal, active, and engaged users? Are they on Facebook? Are they on your website? I can guarantee 100% of them are where they're right inside your game. So if you even want to start thinking about building a community surrounding your IP or surrounding this game that you invested so much effort into, you got to start inside the game. Then from there, once you build that relationship, if it's meaningful to drive them into your Twitter account or to your Facebook page, then do that, right? Do that afterwards. Yeah, it's all about those barriers of entry, right? I mean, because that, that makes total exactly. sense with like, and we, we, we preach <laughs> communities on this show. We had, we learned that lesson ourselves as we started the show like a year ago and, you know, started actually right. getting schooled and building community and talking to people every day and having fun. And we've enjoyed it, but it really is, that's, it's, that's sink or swim that, like you said, that's, that's the prerequisite for even being successful at all. You can't, yes. we see in a lot of, because we're members of a lot of Facebook groups too and a lot of other kind of groups and you see people release their games like it did nothing. I say, like, well, nobody's, mm -hmm. of course, it does, because nobody, there's nothing around this. There's no, you know, gravitas to this, or at least nobody knows what's going on. And that's why right. people get involved with that. And I think that's interesting. And like, um, but like you said, it's like, it's so, it's such a cool idea for these, not just to have a website where he's like, well, if you go to our website, it's like, oh, I'm not going to go to the website. I'm on my phone right now. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, exactly. you know, it's like, exactly. but if it's right, it's like, yeah, obviously your players are in your game. That's where they are. That's like, that's the thing where you can actually connect them. And that actually, what, what I think is cool about service, service like this is that it actually, um, It, it does a lot of the pre-work and development work that a lot of, especially because we talk to, I mean, a lot of people listen to the show are indies, you know, and they don't have right. those resources. So there's like, like you said, it's like, well, I kind of put a WordPress site up and I guess I got to plug in for a forum yep. and maybe that'll work. But right. the, but the amount of the features and the sharing and all that stuff that they would spend two years just developing these kind of <laughs> this kind of stuff on their own and putting in, exactly. you know, putting in in-game forms and stuff. And that's why... 
I think it can benefit those people too. The people, like you said, that like the big game companies actually spend a lot of money into community development and support and all that stuff. Whereas <laughs> indie games, like I put the game out and I have to go to work now, so I don't know what yeah. I can do, to, you know, <laughs> to actually continue this community. And this is really cool because, exactly. like, like Adara said, it's like it's a social, it's, it's its own little social network within the game where that's where mm-hmm. you want people to be in the first place. Absolutely, Spencer. Uh, let me ask you this question. You said you have them. Uh, you have it in in mobile, but are you planning to have it for PC games? Yeah, later not on. Not currently. Yeah, not currently. I mean, we are a, we are a small startup. We have thirty, you know, thirty somewhat people. If we want to venture into the PC space, I mean, we will number one. We'll have to form a different team. And also, if you look at the PC space, I mean, Steam is obviously really big, and it's already got its own social graph and community built into the entire platform, right? And also for large and successful developer, PC games developers. I, you know, they are already building their own social features right, in, right inside the game as well. You know, so when we when we looked at this space, I mean, we started doing mobile games publishing to begin with, right? This is the area that we are experts with, right? And so that's the area that we are starting. And and uh, besides Open Fame from many many years ago, I still have not seen anybody who is attempting to do what we are doing. So for the next at least for the next year, right? Let's let's hit a home run with inside the mobile game first then where that takes us to you know i'm totally open for a discussion but let's let's make it a home run first inside <laughs> well, the mobile well, and also, devices and like i said i think that like when i mentioned i think the barrier to entry is more on the mobile device like i said if you're on your pc you can just open a website and go into it but in the mobile exactly. devices you're not you know these apps are sandbox you're not going to go into it it's much easier just to go into the feed there and see the players and stuff right have you seen exactly. a lot of I, and this is probably the best case scenario, like with your you guys' data. Like, I wonder if have you seen a lot of? Um, it seems like you'd have people going in just they play through the game. They've kind of got all they can out of it, but they just like being in the community, and they're just actually Absolutely. using it as a social network, even though they've kind yeah. of tapered off the game a little bit. Right. We uh, let me let me let me let me give you a quick uh, sort of case study. You know, the very first beta game that we tried out in China. Uh, it was actually a Western game from a team uh, of folks from Florida, and the game was called Design This Home, right? This was probably late 2012, um, you know, very simple simulation game. You know, you, you have a home, you have an empty home, you buy furniture. Every time you buy a piece of chair, you got to wait for three to five minutes. You know, Chinese, uh, Chinese players are notorious for being extremely impatient, right? So when we first launched this game, the retention was somewhat low, right? Uh, because Chinese people, they... Don't want to spend money to 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 speed up the wait time, um, so the re, so the retention was really low. So what we did was, without any updates to the game, we put the very first, very very rough very rough version of KD Play into it, and uh, what we saw was kids, right? Kids, literally from I don't know, ten to fifteen years old. You know, that was during summer summertime too, right? So they were just in there, just talking about home, you know, schoolwork, homework, how their parents are pressuring them to get good grades. And we started to notice kids from the same class just kind of hanging out. I mean, they could—I don't know—they they could be in their schoolyard, you know, sitting right in front of each other, but they are actually socializing with each other in the device as well you know that's when we got really excited and say hey look you know what um, even though we build this platform uh so that people can socialize with each other in context of the game but who knows where the players want to take this to right but our whole platform you know we 
we have a whole back end for the uh, developers and the publishers to have total control over the culture of the community. So we want to leave it up to the publisher and the community and let them determine how they want the players to associate with each other or chat or to social. Do they want to allow them to talk about just about the game content or they can just open it up for general social activities? We leave that completely up to the developers to decide. Okay. Spencer, um, since this is a, like a social network uh, in-game, mm -hmm. how do you manage uh, like content or the developers have to manage it? Like uh, yeah. inappropriate content or things like that? Right. So inappropriate content, there are a few mechanisms that we built built into. I mean, think about it, right? We live in China, right? So so our you know our company's headquarters, uh, our development team is based in China. Think about think about uh, think about the big brother of China government watching over us every day, right? Things that we can and cannot say. So security, safety, uh, profanity, pornography. I mean, that's on the very top of our minds. Uh, that we absolutely need to uh, nip it in the butt from the very beginning. So a few things that we put into the product. Number one, you have to have user re reporting system, right? So for every discussion thread, every reply, uh, if you see anything inappropriate as a player, you can click a button and report it, right? Different, categorized, uh, different categories for reporting. Is it, is it harassment and abuse? Is it, the, is, it, is it sexually explicit? And all that stuff, right? And on the back end, we have a scoring system. So once... Once uh, a user reports the content up to uh, to a certain point, then that piece of content is automatically hit hidden. Okay, uh, and uh, once it's it's quarantined, all of the users who have reported or who have been reported get an automated notification in their inbox inside KD Play and say, "Hey, look, watch out, watch your mouth, right? Be careful, <laughs> you know, because you have been quarantined." Okay, if you do this again, we're gonna blacklist your. Uh, we, we, we're going to block your account altogether. So we've thought that through from a user self-management point of view. Now, on the back end, you know, I mentioned that we have a uh, portal, a website on the back end that developers have full control over all the activities going on inside the community. So on the back end, we have keyword filtering system, which uh, I think in English now we have about 700 different basically bad words. Uh, in China, we have about, I think, 2,000 different bad words. So those words are automatically filtered out. You don't even get to see them inside the community. So four-letter four words and so on and so forth. So we have keyword filtering, and we also have uh, basically human mo mo monitoring, right? Human monitoring comes in two ways. Number one is developers on the back end. They can browse. They can search uh, uh, any piece of content and manually delete them and manually block out users from ever using uh, ever participating in their community again. And the other thing is developers on the back end can recruit uh, community manners, uh, sorry, community uh, members to become community managers. So you can basically build a full army of 50 people who are simultaneously watching over the quality of your content together. You know, obviously these people are influencers who are enthusiastic and, and totally are in love with your game and they are willing to put, you know, a couple minutes or a couple hours a day just to make sure the community is behaving really, really well. Nice. Building on top of that, just like this is even, <laughs> it's, an, it's, it's still on topic, but just being based in China now, and like you mentioned, like yeah. there, there's more concerns about the, you know, just the content in there. What are some just, as you, because this, this has been going on in China, you guys are about, you're releasing this, or about to, or have you released this 
to the rest of the world yet. Oh, uh, you mean KT Play yeah. in, gen- in yeah. general? Yeah. We actually did an open release uh, in January 2015. So KT uh, Play okay. has been up and running in China. Yeah, we got about 3,000 developers on our platform inside China and uh, 150 million active users on the platform inside China. And so you're about to release this for the rest of the uh, the world? Yeah, right? we, already, we, already, we already started off. Yeah, what, what happened was... I took uh, I took KD Play to GDC San Francisco this past March, and lined up about twenty five different developer meetings. And these are all AAA developers, and everyone looked at KD Play and said, "Wow, in game forum! Wow, in game co- community!" Right? Uh, everyone is pretty blown away and say, "Hey, you know what? We've been doing community management on Facebook and Twitter. Of course, it makes sense to do it right right inside the game." So, uh, so that's when I realized, hey, look, you know, it's not only China, right? Let's 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 go dominate the world, <laughs> right? So, what are some? So yeah. that being said, like, what are some of the? Because uh, they're, I mean, culturally a little bit. They're, I mean, they're all getting everything's getting so much similar nowadays. But are are there some different tactics or things that you're emphasizing more as you push it out to Western audiences that aren't as important, you know, in, in China? Yeah, so so Western developers are very different from China. China developers are very, um, you know, I live in China. I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouth mouthing Chinese people, right? Because uh, you know, China developers are much more direct, right? They okay, you're you're selling me an SDK. How much money can it make me, right? Tell me how much how much retention is going to grow, right? And I don't want to do any work. You know what I mean? I don't want to hire a community ma- manager. So, so at the beginning of 2015, when we push it out to the market, that's that's the market sentiment that we were facing. So we really had to align with a lot of large developers and say, hey, look, you know, use the tool for free. We will give you live op uh, plans, and we will even, to some degree, manage your community for you. And we built different cases. You know, we built different success success cases and leverage these successful cases uh, to move the market, right? To move the needle in terms of market adoption so it's been more than a year and a half and i would say for the past three to four months every week uh, apple featured games in china all have kt play in them okay so so we've done a lot of market education and now uh, uh, china developers are catching up and they understand especially for really large and high quality developers they understand how important community man- management is how important it is to build that relationship right almost face to face inside your game with your player base okay so that's the china market but western market basically developers just get it right they are much more creative and they are much more open-minded about trying new stuff so in china when we push it out to the developer they they look at it and say okay kd play is something i've never used before let me put it into one of my games that's already pretty much dead so if it does any damage it doesn't really matter right so they would try it out in one or two or even three of their really older titles then months later they realize wow this is really cool i want to put it in my brand new game Right, Western developers on the other end is completely different. They think, "Hey, look, my older games, my player base is already lost." Right. So if I want to use KT Play, you guys have good metrics. You are stable. You've been on the market, open in China for a year and a half already. Of course, the first try, I want to make a home run. Right. I want to put it in my brand new game. So, so, uh, so, so those are some of the huge differences. And also, Western developers, they usually. When you are looking at a developer that's uh, with maybe 10 employees and an up, they usually have a half a person or a one full-time person focusing just on community ma- management, building that relationship with their players. So talking to Western developers is actually much easier, I mean, from my, per- from my perspective. 
Spencer, independently of how how like different are uh, Asian and uh, Western um, developers, how difficult or how easy is to integrate KT Play into your game? Okay, yeah. So the integration process is the same, right? Whether you're a Chinese developer or Western developer, we have documentations in Mandarin Chinese and also in English as well. We've uh, we've automated a lot of the integration process. So if you have a Unity 3D game, right now throw our SDK into your game literally takes uh, 15 minutes to get a very basic uh, community up and running, right? So it's a 15-minute integration time. However, KD Play also comes with a lot of uh, deeper sort of tools, right? So, for example, if you want to use in-game notifications, you can embed different you, you can embed different trigger points and different link uh, deep deep links in inside your game. Uh, if you want to customize the skin, then you got to get your art or designer involved, right? And if you want to if you want to do user tagging or population, then you got to think about how you want to do it. So, so without taking those customization into consideration. The integration time for Unity 3D game is literally just 15 minutes. <laughs> That's impressive. Very yeah. cool. All right. Yeah, I think so. As we start to wrap this up, what what are the uh, so as you're, you're pushing this out to a bigger audience? You said you've kind of seeded it with a few developers, twenty you know twenty or thirty developers. Um, right. So the next step is a bigger launch. So after that, say that you know it goes big across the world. What's the what are you guys thinking of, like you know, partnering with certain engines and have that stuff built in from the beginning, or what do you guys imagine for the future? I mean, I mean, um, I, 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 I mean, I have big vi- visions, you know, for KT Play, but I think you know, being a startup, let's be realistic, right? So, so next year is all about uh, maximizing developer adoption. So any sort of partnership, any sort of uh, alliances that we can build to get more developers on board to try out our product, to use our product to build case studies with us, you know, we welcome all of that, right? So, uh, and also the other thing is we love to hear developer feedback, right? I mean, we don't want to be just developing um, this, you know, this platform, you know, you know, here in Beijing, right, alone by ourselves. You know, we need to, because the gaming trend and the gaming market changes so rapidly. So it's very, very important for us to build that hand-in-hand relationship with the development community, you know, to continue to get their requirements, get their feedback, to see how we can, you know, continue to build a win-win situation for everyone, where we can get a lot of uh, developer adoption, player adoption, we can start monetizing, and also, you know, increase core metrics, you know, for the game's developers as well. So, uh, so for the next year, you know, as a, you know, in the spirit of doing a startup, you know, next year is all about Western market expansion and also developer relationship and developer adoption. So, so it's, is it, is it available now widely or is that coming soon? Oh no, it's available already. So go to ktplay.com. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, we just recently launched our new website, I think about a month and a half ago. Uh, Documentation, SDKs are all ready for you, free to sign up. Uh, and uh, download the SDK, you can get it up and running in 15 minutes, you know, right after we hang up this uh, podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's great. I, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and explaining this. We, we wanted to talk about this subject and get into this, and it's you kind of came to us with this perfect solution for it, so it actually awesome. worked out perfectly. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank All you right, very much. Thanks, guys.